0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by BU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, we said it wouldn't be pretty. Mm. But Villanova got the job done on Tuesday night against Seton Hall at the Prudential Center. A really tough road environment. They have won three straight, six of their last seven and Villanova has all but locked up the number six seed in the Big East tournament. If we had been having this conversation a month ago, what would your thoughts be about a six seed after winning six of their last seven games?
1: With three, I repeat, three quad one wins in a row. I feel like I'm it's quad one Christmas right yeah. now for, for Villanova after what we've gone through this season. Now, I, I would have told you that that's the potential that I think a lot of us felt this team could reach, but we just didn't have a reason to believe they could get there yet. And then what have they done basically over the past month, three, three weeks or so show us that there is that extra gear on this team. And you do have to feel so much better heading into this big East tournament and actually say that there is a chance they can pull something off here. So I, I, I think you're feeling pretty good. As you said, it was ugly, but it was ugly in a weird way because it was 76-72, which is like... <laughs> way a,
0: more than anyone thought. Yeah, it's like
1: a Golden State Warriors score for Seton Hall-Villanova.
0: <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um,
1: but it was still ugly in ways that only Seton Hall-Villanova can be.
0: hmm I, for one, just hate the, the those endings where you there's just fouls on every possession and uh. both teams were in the double bonus. So it just lasted so much longer than it needed to, which kind of takes away from the pleasure of the win, because I'm sure I wasn't alone when I'm thinking, oh my god, please just end already. But 76-72, definitely not a score I was anticipating at all. I truly believed it was going to be under 60 on both sides. But I know that there's chatter now because of those three straight quad one wins that you mentioned. Oh no, are you going to say it? I have to, Pat. I have to. There's chatter that Villanova could be on the bubble if they win out, beat mm-hmm. UConn on Saturday. Could they be in the first four out category in joe lenardi's bracketology
1: so yeah i know lenardi there are so many great bracketologists out there so please follow whichever one you you enjoy doing lenardi's just the probably the one with the most notoriety and uh, as mike jensen who's a wonderful local reporter here did point out today villanova has for the first time made it onto one of his sheets and he made it they made it into the also considered Section So (laughs) obviously that is not last four in, that is not first four out, that is not next four out, but But most that we've gotten all season, it is being thrown into the conversation, which is not something we've been able to say thus far. I mean, if they beat UConn, that's a huge win, uh, because I think this Huskies team is really hitting their stride right now. I still do not believe that this team is going to be able to hit that at large bid. I think they have to win the Big East tournament. However, they are gaining momentum. And if they can get that scalp against Connecticut on Saturday, potentially follow that up with a win or two in the Big East, well, a win or two against good opposition in the Big East tournament. You have to say they're in the conversation. I just, I yeah. still wouldn't bet on that at large.
0: No, I feel the same way. That was really funny the way you put it, too. Um, you just start to put scenarios together in your head. Mm-hmm. So they beat Yukon, That's four straight. We're already past Georgetown, I think, because six will <laughs> Don't play say it 11. yet. Don't say it yet. <laughs> I know. I know. But my God, I really feel like we should be okay saying that. You would hope that. so. You would hope so. And then you start running through the Xavier Providence. Would Yukon be in that bracket, too? There's so many more variants depending on as Pat and I are recording on Tuesday night, depending on the games that we won't know the outcome of until the morning, as you're listening to this episode, there are definitely some switches that could happen. Creighton, Providence Savior, Yukon, the main ones. And then honestly, uh, St. Joe's, I mean, St. John's Butler, DePaul on the bottom half. So it's no use predicting everything right now,
1: mm-hmm. but we're getting there.
0: There's hope there's chatter, which was not even a, an idea in people's heads a month ago today
1: exactly and let please have connecticut stay as a four or five seed yeah. and have fun marquette with that one um yeah. uh on that side of the bracket i very much rather take my chances with xavier providence creighton something around there um for villanova but as you said it's just about even being able to bring up the conversation because if you said it a month ago you, you just i don't know what you were what you were believing or what you were right. basing that off of other than blind faith so mm-hmm. um it's that's exciting and that's promising. And it shows you the strides that they've even made that they can be around the conversation, if not in it.
0: Yeah. And finally winning the games that they were playing tough in earlier this season. And the last thing I'll say about it is that notoriously the committee has had a hard time giving a ton of weight to big wins in the tournament, besides going out and winning the tournament, obviously Mm -hmm. Villanova would be in if they did that, but if they were just able to string off, Georgetown and then Xavier or Providence if that scenario stays the same it wouldn't have the same weight versus ripping off three straight like the Cats just did so that was huge in terms of the national picture as opposed to just getting hot slash lucky late in the tournament now they've really proven that they can string wins together against big teams so that's a big deal they're
1: drawing a lot of parallels to, to Texas A&M from, from mm. last year, a team that, you know, really struggled, you know, at, at one point went on a massive losing streak and then caught absolute fire towards the end of the year, ripped off those wins against Florida, Auburn and Arkansas in the SEC tournament before dropping the uh, the title game to Tennessee. Of course, that Texas A&M team did not get an at-large bid and instead was in the NIT. So they, they it's not as extensive because Texas A&M basically lost games in conference for a month straight. Mm-hmm. Um, But you can kind of start to see the parallels for an end-of-season charge, picking off some big teams in the conference tournament but not winning it and what happened. So I, I still think the full focus for Nova Nation should be win that damn tournament next week.
0: Agreed. I think Texas A&M was one of the biggest snubs of the tournament last year, right? People Them were and very upset when they did not yeah.
1: make it last year.
0: Hopefully we're not in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. That would be nice. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the Seton Hall game. I was there on Tuesday. It was awesome. A lot more Villanova fans were there than I even expected, and I had high hopes. But the Seton Hall crowd really showed out, too. was also better than I was expecting. Senior the atmosphere night. was awesome. Senior yeah. night, that'll do it. So that was cool. And uh, if you haven't seen them, Shaheen Holloway had some incredible post game comments to the media about how upset he was after the win. So, I mean, after his loss, obviously, go check those out on Twitter. I yeah. think it does a really good job painting him as a coach been and how much. This program means to him. Yeah, it really has. He's done a good job. This is better than Seton Hall could have expected in year one under Holloway.
1: He's ahead of schedule for me. I thought they were going to struggle this year, and he has brought them where, as of a couple weeks ago, they were most certainly an NCAA tournament uh, consideration. And I love that fiery personality that he brings. I mean, you have the quotes from last night. You have against Xavier, where you can very clearly read his lips on TV saying to Sean Miller, quote, nobody likes you, which is just Mm -hmm. phenomenal. Um, and I love it for this conference to be able to bring those personalities together. Uh, I am quite intrigued by what he can build Seton Hall into, especially if he looks to mold them in his own image. I mean, that's going to be one fiery team. And um, they're going to be, as always, they will be very difficult to play against.
0: Yeah, there were times when when Odakale and Dawes went on those three-point barrages, which I'm sure nobody wants to think about at this point. But he was <laughs> pumped up it's been a long time since I've seen a Big East coach that pumped up and I think it's good I think Obviously, it's good for the conference yeah. Villanova is as stoic as it gets but it's nice to have the the Holloways the Coolies, the Hurleys even though that might be a little bit different but bring those kind of enthusiasm but what I want to talk about first from this 76 to 72 win I don't think you can start anywhere else is that Villanova won this game from the free throw line oh yes they did 22 for 23 from the line that comes out to 95.7% and the last the one miss was the last free throw of the game that Eric Dixon missed what a inspiring performance from the line they took what the Seton Hall defense gave them Justin Moore certainly benefited with those 23 points getting nine of them from the free throw line and Dixon as well finished nine for 10 but This is what this team does so well. This is why Villanova is such a pain to play down the stretch of games because they know what works. They can get to the line. Inbounding still isn't pretty. Yeah. Oh, no, not by any stretch. But when they get to the line, they make other teams pay. And it's been a while since it was this stark in this game, 22 for 23. It was just automatic.
1: Uh, to Villanova's credit, their inbounding was still better than whatever the heck Seton Hall tried with the last one with the baseball yeah, that pass was directly to Eric Dixon. That was yeah. a bold strategy cotton uh, on, <laughs> on that one. But for a free throw shooting, I mean, just look at the differences matchup over matchup against Seton Hall. They shot 63% from the line uh, against Seton Hall. You know, the, the worst output of the season for Villanova from the charity stripe. They go out and then shoot 96 on Tuesday uh, for it, you know, I, especially the attempts in the makes are inflated by Seton Hall's fouls down the stretch there with Justin Moore. But to Justin Moore's credit, he went to the line nine times and he mm-hmm. drilled every single one of them. Uh, I still think it's really important, too, that Eric Dixon uh, is continually improving from the line. And Cam Whitmore, who can struggle sometimes uh, from the line and just be a little inconsistent, hit all four of his too. So it's a huge differentiator for Villanova. What's been tough for them is they shoot so few this year. Uh, You look at them comparatively to some of the other top shooting free throw percentage schools in the country, and their attempts are way below what a lot of these other schools have uh, been able to put up this year. But when they do get to the line, they make them. And that's why it's been such a point of emphasis for us all season for them to find ways to get fouled. Now, it helps when you have this officiating crew that made me want to claw my eyes out yeah. in the second half uh, on Tuesday. But they, they made them pay every single time they went to the line. And when you're in a game this close, that's what can be your difference. And it certainly mm-hmm. was.
0: Yeah, the officiating crew was very poor at times. And these stats were definitely inflated. And but the broadcast the crew stands.
1: loved it. They talked Did them they? up the whole second half about how Ugh. great a game they're calling and I could not have disagreed more. Yeah,
0: the, especially the end of the second half. Oh my God, that was so painful. And I understand why Villanova did it on the flip side too, but that was painful to watch.
1: It. I played like a game with myself. I think it was about 10 minutes. Uh, there's about 10 minutes left in the second half and I believe it was 1015 Eastern. And I said, mm-hmm. I wonder how long it's going to be until this game ends. And I believe it was right at 11 o'clock. So the final 10 minutes took about 45 minutes yeah. to play out in actual I got home past time. midnight
0: last, yeah. last night. Yeah, it yeah, was that,
1: it, it was a painful end for sure. Yeah, But hey, they won. So it makes the uh, painful end a little easier.
0: Exactly. And I think they could stand to have one of those type of games. And the funny thing is that I actually thought they had one of their better shooting nights of recent memory. They shot f- nearly 44% from three. Mm-hmm. Cam Whitmore's three of four definitely made that look a lot better. And then from the line, they were over 50% too. I think the reason why that has faded a little bit in my memory, at least is because the three point defense was so bad that it's hard to applaud the offense when they're letting the opposing offense do the same exact thing, but it's just nice to see that balance. We've seen now in every single game that they've won, they've done it in a different way. And that gives me confidence knowing that they can face different opponents. They can, beat a better offensive team in Creighton and Xavier, and then they can go out and beat a better defensive team in Seton Hall and still get it done.
1: Yeah, for for sure here. And I I look at it, and you know me, I have crushed them for, for some of the defensive performances, especially earlier in the season. I didn't think this one was egregious. I think Seton Hall just came out and hit threes, which is not mm-hmm. something they do. I mean, if we just look at them in recent memory, they hit eight threes um, against Nova, the last time they hit eight or more threes was a month ago against St. John's where they made nine and scored 84 points. Seton Hall just doesn't have that sort of offensive output. So Villanova tried to clog the lane and tried to play a little more conservatively towards drives and it gave some additional space for Seton Hall. They just hit them tonight when mm-hmm. or Tuesday night when they normally don't. So I don't think it was a terrible defensive performance. I just think this is the best Seton Hall has to offer on offense and Villanova went blow for blow for them. And came out on top, which again yeah. I, I take as a positive. You sent one of the
0: funniest texts I've ever received. Oh, no. It was um and I paraphrase, wasn't expecting Seton Hall to find their shot tonight. That was it's, funny. It's that like, was funny.
1: I basically looked at it as cavemen discovering fire. Like, oh no, <laughs> they they've they've finally done it, and of course it's against Nova.
0: Yeah, and I mean it was Otakale and Dawes who have yeah, been yeah. their their two scoring presences. If Tyree Samuel wants to shoot two threes, by all means, same thing with Casey and Defo, and Jameer Harris wasn't able to make anything anyway. So you pick your battles. Those two guys hurt them. I thought they shorted up in the second half down the stretch too, and, and they weren't able to hit any big shots that gave them a the lead or anything like that. But, yeah, I thought that was a better defensive performance, despite how many points were scored against a team that really tries to grind it out. And Villanova's Mm -hmm. offense took the next step, right? This, the last game against Seton Hall was 58 to 54. This was 76 to 72. This was more Villanova's game as opposed to Seton Hall dropping it down the stretch the first time around.
1: Biggest thing too, offensively, that I can point to and say here was, let's look back at our last episode. And we said, okay, Nova won this game, but a lot of it was behind 31 from Eric Dixon, especially in offense. I don't think it was... I, you know, you, you didn't have anyone else really go out there. What do they do then? They come out and they show you something with an incredibly balanced attack where Whitmore, Dixon, and Moore, it's 23, 19, and 18 for, for your point distribution between those guys. That's a very big deal for for this team to to be able to spread it across because it feels like at times they just rely on that guy to pull them there, whether it was Justin Moore against Xavier or Eric Dixon against Creighton. But what happened here against Seton Hall is that their big guns came through and that just makes them so much harder to guard
0: yeah no that's a really good point it's become that three-headed monster and that's not even factoring caleb daniels into the equation who who
1: we saw who signs of nine, life from
0: but yes three for six from the floor finally made some threes had that all-time block that turned into a whitmore layup that really i think sealed it and, and put the momentum in bill Nova's favor but I like the balanced effort. I would have loved to see more movement inside the paint. Mm-hmm. Um, as we as we go into some negatives here, there aren't many, but I did want to mention two things. I was extremely frustrated that Villanova didn't try to take advantage of Seton Hall's lack of size, yeah. similar to what most teams try to do against Villanova because of their lack of size. But Casey and Defoe and Tyree Samuel, they weren't manning the inside of the paint as much as I thought they were going to. The guards had chances to either drive to the basket or back down their defender. And I didn't see them doing all that much of it. They could have had so many slashers to the basket. Instead, they just sat around the three-point line. Yes, they had a better three-point shooting performance than normal, but it's just frustrating because you know that that that, uh, shooting percentage can be so fickle. (laughs) I would like to see them go down Justin Moore to get some touches because that's what he's so good at, and they don't Mm -hmm. take advantage of it as much as they should.
1: Yeah, I, I from memory, I don't remember too many like slashing attempts that no. that Villanova did yesterday. I know there was one where, uh, uh, Seton Hall brought a double, on, I think it was Eric Dixon found Cam Whitmore underneath the basket for a dunk. Um, but there there weren't too too many of those. It was more Villanova trying to create their own shot or kind of take it one on one, um, and, and get a layup that way. Which to their credit, it worked. I mean, they finished with uh, they finished on fifty four percent shooting. Obviously, a pretty solid night there. But uh, I, I do hear what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Against a better offense. I think that would be in sharper contrast. And then mm-hmm. the biggest negative takeaway from me after this game was the offensive rebounding going back to Seton hall size or they absolute don't, lack of it. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't have much size at all. Casey and defo is six, seven, I believe he's around and, there. Yeah. yeah. Tyrese Samuel is six, 10. So when you're talking about Sinogo, Cal Brenner, etc. Those are some some true guys. Even Cutis Wahab is has some size over Villanova. They got out rebound twelve to two on Tuesday night. That is not what you want, especially after a performance against Xavier, where I felt like that's how they won the game because they didn't give a team like Xavier ever extra opportunities with the ball. They gave Seton Hall as many extra opportunities as they wanted. They just couldn't make Villanova pay. And against a better offense, that's going to really hurt. And especially I look at Slater for this because I think the ship has sailed on him adding much offensively. Yeah. So he has to go in there and be the best rebounder on this team. And we haven't seen much of that lately.
1: I'm in a good mood today. So I'll give you the rosy um the, Love the that. Ro- I know you got the, some the, back
0: and forth here. Hit yeah, you with The it.
1: rosy look on offensive rebounding. Um you don't have as many offensive rebounding opportunities when you shoot 54% and I'm okay with that um, if the shooting is going to turn out that well. Now, you're completely right because we look to Saturday. UConn is one of, if not the best, offensive rebounding right. teams in the country. That's going to be an issue. However, Villanova showed me against Creighton that against some larger opposition, they can, they are able to get in the lane, make things difficult, use those tip-outs, uh, and use their box-outs to, to at least level the playing field as much as possible. I just don't think they really focused on it today or focused on it against Seton Hall. Um, and I think a an additional part of that is that so many of their shots did fall. It's totally yeah. fair to point it out. It, it's been an issue all season long. Um, and identifying Brandon Slater as the guy that needs to step it up there. Yeah, because if he's not going to give you anything on the other aspects of the game, he's at least got to really chip in rebounding and, and be able to hold that down.
0: Yeah, and it felt like he had bad fouls going up for rebounds
1: oh, yeah. too. Oh, oh, so it was just a bad night.
0: Yeah, for first specifically. Um I like that that counterpoint. I guess the other one is Seton Hall's game plan quickly became counting on Dawes and Otacali to make threes. Mm-hmm. So it it automatically naturally brought the defenders away from the basket. So just wanted to mention it. Uh, of course, UConn coming up—that's going to be something that they're going to try to exploit. So hopefully, the defense is able to to hunker down a little bit around the basket.
1: Yeah, and then I have one more that I, I do really want to hit on. I thought Cam Whitmore was excellent at the Prudential mm. Center. I was very impressed with it. I thought shot selection wise was so much better. I thought we saw a the can or continued to see the twitchiness of him and being able to get around the basket. Thought defensively, while he can certainly still get moved around a little bit more than the top defenders on this team, he held his ground rather well. Um, I was super super impressed with with Cam, and I think as we go into you know the the final regular season game and, and tournament time to get this locked in version of Whitmore, I, he has the potential to be a real game changer for them in, in some of these close games, um, and especially in a tournament. Scenario as we're going to see with the Big East tournament just next week.
0: Yeah, I, we've been very critical of him all yep. season long because we hold him to such a high standard because of the talent he has. He still drives me crazy at times when he goes <laughs> wild horse, and, right, and tries to do too much. But I think everybody's, the broadcasters wise, everybody's favorite comment about him when he makes a mistake is, oh, him being a freshman is really showing out. That's not happening as much anymore. And that's Huge. The turnover numbers are way down. He's not dribbling too much. Yes, he tries to do some of those fadeaway threes that are just a waste of possession, honestly. But he's found his niche being able to establish the three point shot and then driving to the basket, forcing turnovers on the defensive end and taking it coast to coast. He does that better than potentially anybody in the conference. He is he was the the preseason, was it freshman of the year for a reason? He could have been in the player of the year conversation if it wasn't for that that uh some injury to start the season, obviously, but we've seen now what he can do. We've seen what he can add to this offense. My question for you though, and I think that this overshadowed his performance, unfortunately, is that he didn't play in the final minutes of this game. And rotation and the tinkering of it is something that we've given a lot of credit to Kyle Neptune for over the past two wins. I was floored Hmm. to see Cam Whitmore on the bench down the final stretch of this game, less so because of what he can bring on the offensive end to he commits when it's necessary and he forces turnovers. He gets in passing lanes and he's able to turn that into offense. And I think Villanova could have used that type of disruptive defensive presence at the end of this game. And instead he was sitting on the bench.
1: So exactly what you outlined there is why I believe he was on the bench. And instead, Jordan Longino was in because Longino, you more know what you're going to get. It is that solid defender that's going to stick with his man. With Whitmore, he does take those chances, and it's because he is so explosive and he does want to impact the game in so many ways. But however, you know, straight example of this was against Creighton last weekend, where he went out and tried to knock a ball away that he had no business getting towards. He overcommits, he misses it. Creighton's then able to hit Caulkrunner for a wide open alley-oop because Whitmore's completely taken out of the play. I For this type of scenario against Seton Hall, you want to force them to beat you because you know that they have some offensive limitations there. So I wasn't crazy upset by Whitmore being on the bench because Longino takes his place and he is just so solid there.
0: Yeah, but I didn't think Longino had a very good game offensively.
1: Offensively, when see, no.
0: When you see Brennan Hausen and Chris Arch go in early when they did, Hawsen's first game time since Providence... You know that not that Neptune is prioritizing offense over defense. And then I felt like he went back on it with Whitmore at the end. And even I, I understand that point. Yes, he makes he makes mistakes because he tries to do too much, especially on the defensive end as well. But how do you think that makes him feel? Because it's been a while since Neptune has showed a lack of trust, if you want to go that far to say it. But he didn't trust Cam to make the right decision. And that's why he put the leader, quote unquote, even though Longino isn't much older than him, but the leader in the system, knowing that he's not going to make any mistakes. That's the Chris Arch philosophy, hmm. right?
1: I think Jordan Longino is much better than Chris Arch. Well, yes, uh, of especially, course. But especially it's, it's the safe option. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm in this scenario where you know Seton Hall is just going to continue to foul, you send Justin Moore to the line and you just need to score more than them. I'm okay taking the safe option and locking it down defensively. Yeah. Um, I I am, and I think for for how Whitmore feels, I think he's just happy to win. Uh, I'm sure he wants to be out there. Absolutely, of course. Um, but I like the I like the versatility that substituting in Armstrong, Longino, Whitmore, and how those pieces are able to kind of move around a little bit and how Kyle has used those, I think it makes him a little bit better down the stretch mm. when, when he's able to play that way. So I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all uh, for for scenarios here. Just for this specific one, with Jordan Longino being in, I'm okay with it.
0: Yeah. No, I think the fact that we have these options is a huge positive.
1: <laughs> we have options, and yeah. that is not something that was the case not all that long ago.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point. I think there are different ways to look at it, and I'm hoping that that was the general takeaway, that everybody was just happy that they were able to get this tough road win.
1: That's the key. Survive and advance. That's what Villanova's yeah. in right now. So keep yeah. keep winning these games. Keep chipping away and you give yourself a chance.
0: You got anything else there before we move to UConn a little bit?
1: I do not. And I think that wraps it up for me.
0: Okay, so speaking of surviving and advancing, Villanova yeah. has its last regular season game of the season on Saturday against UConn at the Wells Fargo, a Saturday night game. What a way to close it out. Will you be there tailgating Saturday night?
1: Uh, I will most certainly be there.
0: Obviously. Shouldn't even be <laughs> phrased as a question. Please.
1: I'm very excited for this one. Though yeah, incredibly I, disappointed, however, that the women's first round game is going to overlap with this. I for did the see that. Yeah. Yes, it sucks because uh, I really want to watch that game. So I'm going to have to record it and I'll watch it when I get home. Um, but I will be there for the men um, at Wells Fargo Center on Saturday.
0: The rosy side for that is that I think Villanova women's team has much higher expectations than the first round of the tournament. So hopefully yeah, that well, is not the last time we get to see them.
1: Technically, even it's, not even technically, it is second round because they have a bye because they're the two seed. But oh, true, uh,
0: true. Their first yes. game, I yes. should yes. say.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah. So this UConn team <laughs> will be entirely different from the team that Villanova faced way at the beginning of the conference schedule. That was when Cam Whitmore was coming off the bench. Chris Archie Diacono was playing thirty plus minutes a game. Brandon Slater had that offensive presence that we had just talked about, and Caleb was when was in his offensive swing. So this is a different Villanova team. Jordan Longino played 28 minutes in that game. Angelo Brizzi came off the bench at the oh, end of this
1: game. Oh, don't say that name.
0: <laughs> the the plunge it in even deeper. So this is different. 74 to 66 was the final at the XL Center. I believe it was played there. Right earlier this season. I
1: believe you are correct.
0: Yeah. What do you think about UConn? I think I've stated from the very beginning, before Villanova even played them, that UConn presents an incredibly tough matchup for Villanova because they are so physical, because they have so much size, and because they can beat you in so many different ways. Jordan Hawkins had a phenomenal game. We know that Adama Snogo can play like a player of the year candidate in the Mm -hmm. conference and the country. So a lot of different things to get into with UConn here.
1: Yeah, my thoughts are that they are on fire right now, and, and they most certainly are. Um, They have won six out of their last seven games dating back to January 31st, with that only loss being a three-point load, road loss to Creighton, and in most of their wins, it hasn't been particularly close. Uh, I know UConn went through a bit of a swoon there in, in mid-January, but they have completely kicked it into gear. Uh, even just looking recently, they Dismantled Providence a week ago and put up 95 on St. John, so they allowed 86 in one of the more bizarre games um, uh, of the season there. Uh, for UConn, as many ways as they can beat you, it does come down to Sonogo and Hawkins. I mean, I am so ridiculously impressed with Jordan Hawkins he has potentially turned himself into a first round NBA draft pick which I never would have predicted going into this season but he has been that good for them we know Sonogo is always up there and for player uh, player of the year consideration in the conference this team does a lot of things very well Um, they during the season they showed there's a tendency that they can come out flat sometimes and, and drop games but we just haven't seen that over the last month plus, unbelievably difficult draw here for Villanova to try and, and and close out the season. Though, as I feel like we've said so many times, it, it's another huge opportunity for them to, to get a big scalp and add to that resume.
0: Yeah, and UConn definitely can be had. They can. I think they, they have one of the weirder... Story arcs of the season in the <laughs> they conference. Too.
1: I like how you put <laughs> because
0: <that. laughs> they were so good. They were the number one team in Ken Palm. There was so much chatter about how good this team was. Their quote unquote slide, and just because I have it up in front of me, they, they averaged nearly seventy nine points a game. So oh, the cool. offense is is free flowing. Their quote unquote bad losses are a one point loss to Seton Hall that came on the last possession, a tip in by and death, I believe, and that eighty five to seventy four home loss to Saint John's. That's it. Yeah. And they've scored 95, 87, 90, 86 against bad teams. So yes, they had a stretch of losses, four out of their five. Two of those other losses were Marquette and Xavier. This conference is too good mm-hmm. to have too many bad losses. That just doesn't happen. And then similarly to Villanova, obviously they've lost. They've won six of their last seven. Their only loss was a 56 to 53 loss to Creighton, which is also just bizarre. So, so many things that you can't really explain about UConn, but when they're right, nobody in the conference wants to play them. And I think that goes back to their their non-conference schedule when they went undefeated and they were able to beat Alabama and Iowa State and Oklahoma State and Florida, some good non-conference teams. They just dismantled them. And the Providence one was shocking to me. Shocking. I, I know that Providence can be had on the road, especially, but to beat them, by nearly 20 points, is huge for morale for UConn.
1: Yeah, the the issue, too, as you mentioned, is that um, UConn is most definitely on um, right now. And yeah. uh, it, it's going to be a struggle. It, it will. I, I don't think you can just bet against Villanova here, just understanding what they've been able to put together lately and say, hey, they were able to go to Centos and beat Xavier. They pretty handily beat Creighton at home. They fought out a tough one against Seton Hall. So, you know, let, let's roll with the punches and let, let's go into a heavyweight matchup here. But, whew, UConn's a lot to to stand with, especially understanding some of the interior struggles that this team can have defensively and knowing mm-hmm. that a Sonogo and a Klingon are going to be in basically the entirety of the game with just one subbing out the other. Uh, that very much worries me. So I'm curious to see if Villanova adapts the same... Uh, philosophy against Kalkbrenner, which was just trying to deny ball as much as you can to him and make it those entry passes into the low post very difficult. Now, that was made easier by the fact that no one on Creighton was really hitting any sort of outside shot. UConn, most certainly with a guy like Jordan Hawkins, with a guy um, like Caravan or, or Calcetera can step out and, and hit those threes. So it, it's tough. It's a very tough draw, but I, I'm pumped for this game. I really am.
0: Yeah, it shows how deep and strong they really are that we haven't mentioned Tristan Newton or Andre Jackson as well, Yeah, who are really dangerous scoring opponents too. I think it'll come down to output, which was my big takeaway from the Xavier and Creighton game. If they can just limit UConn's output, if they can be better on the offensive glass, you know that UConn's going to win that battle because as we mentioned, they're one of the best teams in the country at offensive rebounding. But if they can limit the second chance opportunities that UConn gets, if they can try and force turnovers and turn that into offense, if they can put together strong defensive possessions, slow down the pace, and then on the offensive end, similar to the game plan against Creighton, I think Eric Dixon is going to have a little bit of a leash around the perimeter. Teams might be a little bit more scarred now because of what he did against Creighton, obviously, but they're going to want to keep Sunogo and Klingon around the basket. So same thing, establish that shot early for Dixon, and then every time Klingon comes in, I want him scoring five points down low, below by him, because he is not nearly as athletic as any of the other defenders on UConn's roster. So I think Villanova has a chance. Right? I do think they drop this game because as I think I. UConn is, is a very, very strong team, and it's going to just come down to trying to limit them to under 70 points so that they can keep up offensively which seems like a very tall ask
1: certainly is uh I think Klingon might be the one to try and go out a little more than Dixon because Sonogo can move around the perimeter um Klingon can too but Sonogo actually does a, a pretty decent job there um and I say hello Caleb Daniels this would yeah. be a wonderful time for him to kick it it back into early season gear so he said signs of life earlier this week with the the three made threes for him and and I thought just a better overall game in terms of control. Uh Saturday would be a a big chance and and a huge shot in the arm for him to uh to really revert back to early season Caleb.
0: Yeah, and I know that Jared uh had one of our mailbag questions about X Factors. I think we just mentioned a few, but I know that he specifically mentioned Mark Armstrong as well. And I think Mark Armstrong's ability to facilitate the offense when Moore's on the bench, or allowing Moore to go into the two so that he can create his own shot, as opposed to having to facilitate the offense, is going to be huge for Villanova as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're you're going to look for a a decent performance from Mark Armstrong there to yeah. to deal with some of the perimeter athleticism that that UConn can bring. So I really like him uh, as an X factor. I'd love to tell you Brandon Slater or or Caleb Daniels, but I just can't I can't trust it right now Um, unfortunately I feel the same way yeah so Jared I like the I like the inclination there to to go towards Armstrong let's do it
0: yep Uh, I'm all in for that and then we saved our uh, one of the most fun questions for last of course you want to take us there
1: of course from our man Tommy G the legend who by the way will be at Madison Square Garden covering the Big East tournament next week and he's going to do an incredible job there for for VU Hoops and Road to the Garden which uniforms are your favorites
0: so it's a great question. I also was thinking yesterday as I was at the game on Tuesday night about the uh, the suits and how many questions we would get last year about <laughs> Nova <vulnerable> dressing down. <laughs> and it's so nice because I was sitting right behind the bench to see them. Yeah, I love, I just think it's such a sweet look. But anyways, I love the baby blue. I hate yep. the sweat though. So I'm going to go with the pitch blue is what they're called, right? With yes. the blue stitching. I think that's a really sleek look for Nova.
1: Yes. Yeah. I, 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 do like that one too. Uh, for me, it's the one that I just desperately want them to bring back and it's the <sighs> 85 throwbacks. I Where mean, has it been? I, I feel like they haven't worn it since they won the title game in 2018, I know. but uh, I, I may be wrong on that one, but it, it feels like that's when it went out of rotation and I want it to come back.
0: The fonts are so
1: cool. It's just a beautiful, beautiful uniform. Um, yeah, I, I love that Jersey. And if they wore that every home game out, um, I'd be thrilled. Um, yeah. I, overall, I think Villanova puts out pretty good uniforms. Um, I do
0: too. I like them all. I actually, I thought you were going to go with the, um, the Michigan like one.
1: Oh um, yes. The, the like 1970s 70s ones. Yes. Yeah. 70s, yep.
0: 75 maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that one too. And I feel like it's been a while since we've seen that one as well, but that reminds me of the Kansas game, which is one of my favorite yes. Villanova games of all time in 2019, yes. 20- 2020
1: uh want to say winter 2019 yeah that sounds right yeah it's before the, the world ended on yeah, us um, right, so yeah right December right December 2019 then, yeah. yes 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 yeah no that that's a good uh Villanova memory for us but yeah I'm gonna go with those and I hope they come back
0: yeah me too but, but, but y- generally wise very happy like, with the uniform selection
1: yes and but though uniform wise why the hell was it gray on light blue why didn't Seton Hall wear white i don't night.
0: understand uh, yeah i was confused by that i don't mind those gray uniforms too no i, I don't the either is cool but it was weird it was weird. not decision. with the
1: color clash though it was yep. just it, the second they showed the court and i saw that that was it i'm like oh boy um and i'm <laughs> 25 night. <laughs> and i'm like my eyes my god um so yeah no but otherwise love the unis and love the question from our man tommy g
0: yeah thank you for the questions jared And Tommy, we're in for, obviously, an an incredibly exciting stretch. So we're going to have a full, comprehensive Big East preview for you next week, hopefully with a special guest. And we're going to go through every team, all the scenarios for Villanova. Of course, again, as, as we mentioned, at this point on Tuesday night, as a recording, there's just too many variables. So the next time we talk to you, the tournament will be set. We will be just a day away from Villanova playing Georgetown. In the Big Mm -hmm. East tournament as the 6th seed after ripping off one of the best finishes in the regular season in a while. Way exceeding expectations versus where we were a month ago. So I think you are allowed to be excited. You are allowed to have hope against UConn at the Wells Fargo Center on Saturday night. I hope it's awesome, Pat. And generally, I think we're just, we're in a good spot, people. This This is exactly where we want it to be.
1: We are. And I'd rather be here at the end of the season than at the beginning of the season. Yeah, so, true. They are they are gaining their momentum at the right time. So let's see if it carries in a Saturday. Let's do it. All right. That'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast, presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUhoops.com for all your Villanova content all season long. Follow the show on Spotify, subscribe on iTunes, and follow us on Twitter. People, we are getting so close. To a thousand followers. We are at over 970. We're about 26 away from that thousand mark. Please follow the, the show at SONN Pod. Uh, we'd love to have you as a part of our audience and we love interacting with you guys. Thank you all for listening as you always do. Big game this weekend against UConn, riding high going into it. We'll see if the cast can keep up that momentum, and we will be back at it on Tuesday with our Big East Tournament preview. Everyone have a great weekend. No vanishing.